about life of a civilian during the war. I just read this article and I thought that we could use it somehow. We could use it somehow. And we, when I thought about this idea about civilians, it is a very risky project, but I think it will be the most important thing I've done till this time. I want to make you game because for the first time in my life in game design, I will do something important right. which has a meaning. Not very often does one come across people like the art director and creative director of This War of Mine and Frostbunk. But when you do, make sure to pin them down for a conversation about why they make these games. In this episode of Designer Notes, Soren Johnson sits down with Przemysław Marshall and Michał Drozdowski. My name is Leila Johnson, and I asked to introduce these two men because of my love for their games and because I was at one point in my life stuck in a shelter because of war. 11-Bit Studios created games that told war stories differently and crossed lines that were not yet crossed. I am honored to present art director Przemysław and creative director Michał, and will also send my many thanks to the other amazing creators at 11-Bit Studios. Maybe first off, just hear maybe how each of you got your way into the uh, games industry. Um, so uh, why don't we start with you? Okay. Uh, first experience with games. Yeah. That was high school. It right. was the time of Atari 800XL. Okay. Right. And it was first programming in BASIC. Mm -hmm and making a game about the pixel who has to traverse the screen, okay. jumping over holes in the line okay. <laughs> and avoiding another pixel. <laughs> right, right. And I think that was the first, the first game I created ever. Right. And uh, it was also an area where, I mean, computers were so fascinating at the time. Right. There were almost no personal computer. There was the ZX81 and Atari and uh, Amiga and, you know, it was like a completely new world to discover right. where our parents didn't knew nothing about it. Right. How, so how did you learn about it? Like, how did you figure out? You know, mostly from, from other people in my age. Right. And from reading things in English, even though at that time I didn't do English very much, but, you know, right. young kids learn fast. Right. And, uh, and I think that was the point at which I was hooked right. by computer games. Okay. And uh, then there was, you know, a, a great deal of playing the games, but the being uh, back to the computer industry was actually after, after the, um, the high school. Okay. So you were always interested in making games yourself? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. And uh, did, uh, what were, I mean, was Atari a common computer over there? Like, is that what a lot of the people had? Or like yeah, yes. I mean, the, the, it was the start of personal computers, so Atari 800 and ZX81 and Amiga, that was um, Amiga 64, I think. 
was the Commodore 64. Atari 64. Atari 64. Okay, so I didn't know Amiga. I hated Amiga. Amiga 400 is the start of Amiga. Yeah, and Commodore 64, of course. Yeah, so this was a, this was a time of war between Atari between the two, yes. and Amiga lovers. I remember I was on the Commodore side. I had a Commodore 64 and Amiga 500, yeah. and yeah, we would join. Sorry. So yeah, we was, uh, but yeah, we were always going back. And it's kind of ironic that in the end, both sides lost. You know, but no, uh, there were the next wars because yeah, like you said, both sides wars. Love, but the, the, then there was the Amiga and PC war, yep. and the next generation war, so it's just moved further. Now we have Xbox versus PS yes. PlayStation war, so it's as there's, always, there's always a new war. It's itself, so yep. It's yep, absolutely. Um, so, but you basically, so you taught yourself programming? Yes. Essentially, that's what yes. you say? Okay, and did you move on? So you started with the Pixel. What yeah. other what other type of games did you make after that? Yeah, of course. After that, we have explored that you you, you can use uh, characters and uh, program characters to make. You no. Know, uh, you mean like uh, letters? Like, like letters, okay. because there was this kind of display that we, you were displaying letters, uh -huh. but instead of letters, you were putting inside pixels. Oh, okay. So that was a kind of technical uh, difficulty that you have to overcome, and of course, we experimented with some kind of uh, arcade game. Sure, basically. You'd be shooting something or... Yeah, shooting, moving, catching, etc., jumping over. And, uh, but, you know, that was the, the, the kind of uh, making game for pleasure and exploring. Sure. After that, uh, after, 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 after high school and after my studies... Mm -hmm. uh, did you study computers in college or...? Well, I did study so many things. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, I, I'm joking, you know, in, in, in the time when I studied, there was a kind of um, law in Poland uh -huh. that if you don't study, you will go to the army. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and the army was not good. It's not a good thing to go to at that time. That's a good motivation. That's, <laughs> That's excellent. A good motivation. So, so I was like w one year physics. Yep. Three year mathematics, <laughs> applied mathematics. Right. And after that, I made actually like a five year um, managing, managing uh, high school. No, not high school. University. University. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. That was. Okay, so you studied a lot of you studied a lot of science stuff. Yeah, I studied a lot of science. I always got some kind of uh, grip for maths. I like maths. Yeah. But I I not I didn't end like a programmer. I was doing some programming just for you know making money and so right. kind of flash thing. What did you What did you think you wanted to do? I was not thinking about it. <laughs> okay. Really, I, I I know I like computer and. Uh, yeah, of course, I had this dream in my high school that, that someday I will make an artificial Maybe. intelligence, but I didn't right. to today. Would there, would there have been anyone in Poland making games at this time at all? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, how yes. Would, like for the local market or like how would it, how would it work exactly? I, I think Przemek can tell you more because he was more in this company. Because we met at some point right. in time in a company called Metropolis Software. Yeah. And Przemek was here with uh, two of our partners who started also Levin with Grzegorz and Bartek much longer. So right. probably he, he knows better the, the kind of uh, history of Polish game industry. Okay, well, why don't we hear also from, from you then? So, how did your interest in games start in Kenya? How did you get into the industry? At, at, at 
first it was uh, you know it was uh, a love to the computers because as Michal started at the beginning the computers were something totally new and something wow awesome yeah for a for a young uh, uh, young guy it was wow such an awesome thing and I remember that when my it was a total coincidence and at this stage I think a lot of I have a really lucky life and a lot of luck was there that helped me to be where I'm right now here and uh, and uh, it was a coincidence that my that my father was give, uh, received a Commodore C64 from my uncle that bought it with an Amstrad from Germany and it was the first Commodore C64 in my town. Yeah. So it was really lucky Big moment deal. in my life. Yeah. And at the beginning it was just playing then games. I was an artist from the beginning, so I drawn pictures from ASCII, ASCII you know, letters and signs on the mm -hmm. Commodore. Yeah. So it was it was a, it was fun. It was creativity, but at the beginning I was I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about making games. I was just make, having fun with computers. So it was just it. Then somehow I I I emerged with a computer scene, a demo scene. I don't know if you. Yeah, we've heard about. I know it's like a European thing. More, it was but... most European stuff, I think. Mm -hmm. So um, so I've I, I've I've merged with a with a with a demo scene group. I was. With, I was going to the parties, we were creating art, demos, yeah. and stuff like this. It was an awesome time of my life. Yeah, let's, I'd like to hear more about that. The way, the way demo scenes were, was explained to us over here was that you guys were making art from the very smallest amount of like code or data possible. Like, you know, like, yeah, but I think it was just the type of a challenge. I don't think it's... I, personally, I think it's very similar to what's happening right now. Maybe not that totally similar, but it was similar to what's happening right now at jams, at, at indies, yeah. at indie games, game jams. It's a bit similar and uh, of course at those times communication was much worse, so the groups were much fewer groups around it, but it, it was the, it wasn't thinking about making games, but it was creating, just like games. Games are creating, it's just love to create games and it was love, love to create de demos, okay? And of course, there were some constraints, there are the constraints, there were some challenges, but I think those, those limitations that you said were grown not from the idea, let's make something like this, but the computers at that time were very limited. Right. And I think that computers over time you know, evolved and became much and became much more powerful. And as the as the computers became much more powerful, the challenge was a bit less challenging, to be honest, to create demos. So we created this the, the demos and created these constraints. So okay, if it's not that challenging, let's create another challenge. So let's limit to 64 kilobytes, mm -hmm. 4 kilobytes even. Let's make first games in 4 kilobytes. So it was it was a counter-reaction to these computers being much more powerful. Right. Because at the beginning there wasn't, there weren't this const there weren't this constraints that limit the demo to 64. At the beginning the computer was so small 
that the challenge was to create something new, something innovative, something creative on this very, very slow computer. And it was the challenge. Right. Uh, as computers became much powerful, we, there was new, we needed new challenges at demo scene. So I sure. think this is the, that how it's evolved right. back then. So, and going further, I think... Can you, uh, can you give an example of like a piece of like a piece of art or a game that you made back then that would like kind of like help explain to people who you know, like what like what type of things you were making? I was making uh, single pieces or of two D art. Let's say right now we could call it concepts. Okay. Like for a game, for example, or art concept, it was something like this. You just create some kind of concepts. And it was just art like this, it was single pieces, but I think for, for the demos scene the, the most important piece that the, 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 the teams were making were the demos. And you can imagine demos like something of a, of a music video, right. okay? where there is a, the, the music behind and it's synced to the video and all those effects, all those uh, uh, programmed or, or, or modeled stuff that it's visual it creates some kind of, let's say, five up to ten minutes piece, just like right. a music video. And it was, I think, is it, I think that's it. It was just kind of music video. Right. Uh, I would gladly show you the music video I totally love from back time. And okay. It's on YouTube, you can find it. And it was made by, uh, from my, by, by the Future crew. And it's called Second Reality. Okay. And to be honest, those guys are one... I think the only one of those guys is currently working, and those guys are right now Remedy. So, oh really? So yeah, oh, it's Remedy, and I'm glad I'm, I'm, visit, I'm visiting the Remedy next month. So I will really, it will be great to meet those guys. Sure. And one of them, I think, from back those times, is still working at Remedy. So yeah. Cool. Well, that's cool. It's cool that that scene eventually grew into the you know yeah, professionals and, and, and it, your... it, it was the same history with me because the. the the, the, the friends I, I met back then at the scene, we together for okay, let's create demos. Then we evolved to the more, let's say it's maybe talking to man, but it's a bit storytelling demos. And then we thought, hey, let's create a game. Okay. okay? So we thought, hey, let's create a game. And we together as a, the people from the scene, we thought, okay, let's create a game. I did one game earlier, but it was uh, it was some kind of logical game, but I. Uh, uh, there was a huge gap between my first game and then this demo scene game. Yeah. So it's, and I think that that's how it progressed because after this, after this scene, after we started to create demo, the, 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 after we started to create our, our game, we found a publisher in Poland. We finished this game. Then I left this company. Well, let's tell me what type of what type of game was it? It was. Um, I've, I don't remember how it is called in the US. It was called Starmageddon or Project Earth. It was something like uh, Homeworld. So, so okay. real time, free the space, uh -huh. uh, RTS strategy. Game. Oh, wow. Okay. So what year would this be? It was between end of the previous millennia, so it was 1999 or 2000 or okay. something like this. So I that's mean. pretty close to when Home, Homeworld came yeah, out. Yeah, it also. was really close to the when, when Homeworld came out. Okay. It was a different game somehow. It, it, okay, it would. This were similar but still different games. Yep. It's, uh, 
it was more like an F. It was made more like an FPS game, okay. not a, like uh, what Homer does. So you would fly a ship around. Yeah, you could fly and, and around and stuff like this. But it was, it was. I think we were mostly, you know, there were there. And to, to give you some kind of perspective, I think I thought about it recently. Also spoken about with Michal. You know, there are, there are some phases in game development for a, for a person, and at the beginning you're. And I'm not saying that what you are creating is obviously bad, but I'm saying that at the beginning of your, of, for example, for my my career, let's say that, uh, what I wanted to say, what I wanted to do at the beginning with my first game, I wanted to create my first game. Sure. And it was my my goal. That's, yeah. Let's create a first game. We were trying our totally best to create our game, best game, but my mindset was totally different about what's what I would like to do now. Yeah. Okay, and, and it it changes during your 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 career. So at the beginning, for, for me, I wanted to create my, my 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 first game. Then I wanted to create a game that was look, looking beautiful. That I wanted to came create a game that has some message around it. Right. right now, I'm dwelling into completely different areas about about some some ideas about why we should make games. Uh -huh. We will call it about talking about GDC, but. At the be at the beginning, I just wanted to create the best best game, and yep. this was Star Magellan Project Earth. Okay. okay, cool. All right, and so the game got was published. Yeah, it was out. published, uh, and then I left the company, and then I met Jakos Michalski. Uh, he is the CEO of uh, of Eleven B Studios right now, and back then he was the CEO of Metropolis Software, and and, and part of Jostek, and together we we were we, we you know we, we've created. Few games at Metropolis Software, and then we've, you know, the history went on. So. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. And you, uh, you met him. I, I yeah. joined Metropolis Software yeah. sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was the project Inferno. Okay. They were looking for a designer, level designer. Mm -hmm. The job was like three months. It was quick. You have six level. You have two months. You have <laughs> made them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are mostly uh, made graphically. You know, just put the character inside. Yeah, yeah. Stuff and and make it happen. And yes, it, I made it happen. You made it happen. <laughs> the, the, the project ended. Yeah, he made yeah. it real well. Yeah, that, that <laughs> and and cool. this was your first game job. I mean, just no. It oh, was not no. my first uh, game job. I previously worked for some very small Polish company who was making games for some other European company, sure. and we made some racer games. Yeah, not yeah. very something that I'm fond of, but. Yeah, that was my style. Yeah, but you were you were making games for PlayStation Two and stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, it was really cool. That back, back then, it was really yeah, it was great work. Okay, all right. Well, let's talk about the path. Like, uh, so what what's the path to get to this war of mine? Like, what are you know what are some of the the milestones that came along the way to that? Um, mm. I don't know. I would start with eleven bit. You start with eleven bit. Okay. I will start with the, yes, because uh, uh, at some point we we continued uh, our work at Metropolis Software. We were creating another title, right? A shooter title, and uh, we were bought by CD Projekt. You were bought by CD Projekt. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Sure. And 
they had at this time a lot of internal stuff going on. Yeah. Because they were kind of going up. And uh, we actually, the project was cancelled. So oh, much. okay. And we, we had a, a short time when we actually were invited to assist Witcher 2. Uh -huh. But we didn't feel like it's our place. Okay. Especially with this kind of very about you know, you changing locations and uh, changing projects. Okay. And, and, and we thought that we should start something on our own. Okay. You didn't like being kind of dropped into this bigger team. Yeah. Yes, I, uh, I don't think that was healthy either for us or the, or the team. Yeah. Okay. To kind of drop because we were drop on pretty high positions. Uh, and we started on Eleven Bit Studio, and the, the the whole idea of Eleven Bit Studio was actually to make something very creative. Sure. To make something unique, to make something that will stand out, because we knew that we won't have the power to compete differently. Right. On one side. And what yeah. what year would this be? This would be. I'm sorry. Two thousand and what year? I thought it was nine. Two thousand nine. Maybe might be. Sorry. I think we have ten years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many would there have been of you at this point? Four people were at the very beginning, then a second programmer showed up. Right, okay. So, so you, you so basically were five. Okay, so you two and three other people. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And you wanted to make something different. I mean, can you... Yeah, I think that, that one of the, also one of the, 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 the strong reasons, because we, why we left the project were that, I, when I look at it right now, we, it was because we lost control. Of what we were doing, okay, and it wasn't healthy for us, right? And the second thing is, we saw that, um, that the, 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 the games, the games market, and the way that we create games and publish games is changing. Okay, the steam yeah. was growing up. There was some kind of independency. There was this idea that okay, so now the, the times are changing in this way that you could. Self-publish your game, yeah. so you wouldn't need publishers. For yeah. And so we, we just saw this Greg saw this opportunity, and we saw this, and we agreed. Okay, let's try it. Let's try to be independent. Let's try to publish our games by ourselves. Right. And see what we can do, and let's let's regain control, and let's create something we would like to, as we would like to do. Yeah. Okay. So. So. Yeah, I mean, there was like, before that wasn't really an option, you know, you could think about it'd be great to make our own games, but what would you even do with them, right? Before, like, you know, if it's a small team and a small game, like, how are you going to get people to actually buy it, right? It was a, yes, but, it was a hard time. But, but you were so publisher-dependent yeah. at that time, mm -hmm. and basically all the studios in Poland that I kind of remember, remember they, they were leaving from project start till project end, mm -hmm. dropping the team, oh, no. <laughs> waiting for another contract to come, right. rehiring those Everyone. people and restarting, so it was really... That's a grind, yeah. It's, yeah. it's happening also right now with, with the huge studios, to be honest, I don't think, I don't also don't think they are very happy about it. Yeah. They somehow... Yeah, that's almost one of the dangers of game development, is yeah. like you're kind of stuck in this, this that cycle. Yeah. You know? Okay. So we wanted to, you know, go yeah. from this cycle and, okay. you know, regain control and All right. our own way. And can you be a little more specific about, like, your vision for the type of games you wanted to make? Like, I'm not sure if you can even articulate it, but you can... 
if you no, can. Well, at that time, we didn't uh, knew that we are going to make this worth money. Sure. So the basic idea was actually to be very creative and to try to bring something new and fresh. And I think this freshness and uh, uh, another look at at the subject that already are on the market was was like the first, the first idea to to how to make the game. Right. And we were looking for the project for I don't know, two weeks, three weeks, something like that. With Przemek, we had a list of possible subjects. Okay. One of the subjects was uh, something that Przemek uh, put on the list was uh, inverted tower defense. Inverted tower defense, right? Okay. And uh, after like two weeks, okay. We it was written on written on a on a how it is called? Napkin. So it was written on the napkin nap nap in <laughs> the restaurant. Inverted tower defense. Inverted tower defense. <laughs> All right. Now what is and. Uh, uh, so how would you describe that? Like, what, they, that could mean a number of different things. But like, what what does inverted tower defense? And mean that was exactly the question we were asking to ourselves when we started <laughs> developing the game. What the fuck was going to be an inverted tower defense? Right. Yeah, but the idea was to invert a tower flowing yeah. in our heads. When I wanted to add, when I wanted to add was one thing. We want, uh, of course, we on, on we wanted to be innovative and creative. And to be honest, when, also when I think about it right now. It was also a smart decision because we, to be honest, didn't have a lot of another advantages. Yeah. We were a very small team with a very limited budget. Yeah. So we couldn't fight with the huge guys with some kind of, you know, very, let's say, technical or artistic teams or this kind of teams with evolved, uh, let's say, uh, with evolved uh, titles and stuff like this. So what we could fight with, we could fight with creativity. We could create something fresh and this was our advantage at this time right and i think we we just some kind we didn't know it but we choose we choose this way i we i don't remember we talk about it at this stage but i think it was a just a natural yes. smart decision yes but a, a lot of projects on this list they were kind of you know inspired by things like portal at that time right which was kind of innovative sure yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a very small game at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I remember that time. There weren't necessarily a whole lot of them, there were, but there were a few games that were radically different. And this, the fact that the scope of the games was smaller mm -hmm. was also inspiring because you knew you, you didn't need to make a game that was 40 hours long and had all of the other, you know, bells and whistles that a giant game has. Yes. Right. So that was, that was super important. Okay, so this is the game that became Anomaly. Yeah. Right? Okay, so you want with the, with, with the worst titles in <laughs> games yes. history ever. Yes. I, that's, Warzone I, I, <laughs> I think you're gonna have a lot of competition for the war. There are plenty of bad games. <laughs> game, so. No, but we, we even had some kind of critics in the press when the guy said like, oh, "It's a pretty cool game when you played, but why then did he call it, it protect the convoy while it's moving forward?" <laughs> yes. We really over, over, over did our title. We were thinking just too much about it. Sure. Back this time. So it's, but it's mistakes, mistakes, it's not. Yeah. No. Yeah, cool. Just no Which title? Anomaly Wars on Earth. Wow. Earth. I'm like the yeah. score of minus two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the games industry often ends up with, ter with names that are too long or. There's like a colon in the middle when you can't choose between the two of the names, so you just kind of like stick them together. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, so let's talk about like did it did the way was your original conception close to what came out the other end or like 
did it. Can no, we had a few prototypes. I mean, we tested a few solutions. The, 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 the main idea is if we want to invert a tower defense, right. then we need to have the tower set up somehow and the convoy has to move some kind of predefined right. way. Right. Otherwise, we are closing to an RTS game. Right. So, so you're, you're playing the convoy. Yeah, right. Like you're playing, you're um, trying to get you're through. You're playing so. the creeps. The creeps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and, creeps. <laughs> and, and it soon become, became obvious that playing the convoy is a bit boring. Yes. Because there are not too many choices. Yes, yes. So basically, introducing the character, which was moving around and using skills, right. changed the game and oh, okay. life. So originally, there wasn't a character. You I mean, in the first prototype, there wasn't, but we made like three prototypes in two months, I think, or something like that. Yep. Right. Okay. So, so, so let's say in two months we very have a game. Very fast iteration, first design, two up to three weeks iteration, second design, and then third, third design, and the third design was really a hit. Yeah. And we really liked it. Okay. And was there something else besides the character, or was that the key change? I mean, the key change was the character and abilities. Yeah. And uh, then with uh, different towers, different abilities, we actually made a lot of uh, gameplay situation. Right. And we were like using everything. If the character needs to move around the convoy, then create something that will push him away of the convoy. Right. So he cannot run close to it. And right. you know, we were using such stuff and it was... I like it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, Alright, so... You know how long did it, how long you know how long did it take to make and like what was you know what did you guys learn in the process? I think we've made it in a year, year and a half, something, mm -hmm. something like this. Uh, what we've learned in the process? Oh, well, I think I I don't want to say that we didn't learn, but I want to say that we this game allowed us to grow a bit, mm -hmm. to have our own structure, right. to have our own engine, yeah. to have our, you know, to, to, be, to be much more certain about, much more certain about our abilities, right. because we understood what we can do, mm -hmm. and, and we understood what we can then achieve in our next steps. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so I think those were a lot of the a lot of the structural changes in the company that it was growing during this 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 first product, and I think what we've learned is that our marketing sucks. Okay. <laughs> back then, yeah. And really, it sucked. We totally didn't know how to communicate. We totally didn't know how to because one of the examples is this game was made was being made for an Xbox at the beginning. We yes. just made it, we've we, we programmed it and we designed it for an, for an Xbox right. gamepad and we thought about it, okay, this would be an Xbox game and we totally didn't know how to, how to talk with, with Microsoft. We, mm -hmm. we didn't know how to sell our game. We were for the, for the for early time where we were developing, we were afraid to tell to those people we are making inverted tower defense game we were clouding it somehow because maybe if it's too obvious, it, it won't be that good. And so, we, to be honest, we didn't know how to talk about our games. And so you wanted to surprise people to figure out what the game was about? No, I don't think we, 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 we believe that a better title like Anomaly Wars on Earth would be a good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we were... Yeah. 
Yeah. No, but we learned actually something. I think yeah, we, 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 we learned this. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I, I think we learned also that uh, the first thing we we got uh, Apple Design Award for Anomaly. Right. And I think we learned that we can achieve some kind of really good quality in the team. Right. And that we can be like close to good quality game. And I think the second lesson is maybe an observation post factum. Okay. That. When we have a product that is kind of well-defined and very consistent, even a title cannot screw this. Cannot screw it up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you know, it, many people saw a good game inside of it, despite the title that didn't say too much. So, uh, and, and it was because the game has a subject, had a subject, and yeah. it was really about something. Sure. Very, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember I bought it because it was just different. Right, you know, and I, 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 I don't think I ever, I don't think I thought this is like inverted tower defense, but I thought, oh, this is sort of a tower. So you know it? Yeah, yeah. I Our marketing sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it came out at a time when there was just still a dearth of like unique games, I and mean, I bought it on the PC, so mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know how long it took for it to end up on Steam, but like. It was, it was still that time when there were like still only a handful of smaller games that felt different that were available, mm -hmm. right? And so anytime you saw something, they're like, oh, cool, this is new. This isn't just another RTS game or this isn't just another shooter. Like, I'd buy it, right? Because like that's, that's what's great about video games is like finding, you know, trying something new and, mm -hmm. you know, and so on. So, um, I mean, that's the, part, that's the part that worked at any rate. Yeah. And did you like it? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it started yeah. slow, but it was it started slow. Yeah. I remember, you know, kind of running around and like, you know, taking things down, and uh, um, that was the biggest problem. The first one, two levels were the biggest problem for us, right? Because once you get sucked in, mm -hmm. then it's kind of started rolling really good. But yeah. So what? I mean, yeah. Talk about that a little bit then. Like, what? I have a question. So, meow, uh, just. Who were the other three people in the company? You said there were two programmers. Okay, because we started the company as four people. Okay. Uh, uh, four co-owners, let's say, of the company. It was Przemek, partners. partners. Uh, Grzegorz, which is uh, kind of financial director and CEO. And uh, Bartek, which was uh, a lead programmer and he actually programmed the engine which we are using after today with a lot of different variations. Yeah, he was a technical director yeah. in the studios. Uh, we also had uh, another programmer who was called Bartek Walecki. And uh, very quickly after having made the prototype and actually starting some kind of level production, we hired another designer, which, is, which was uh, Rafał Włosek. And that was pretty much, I think, yeah, you hired I think, another artist? Yeah, but I think that then Pavel that came to us. Yes, of course, Pavel came to us. Great brother, and, and we just grew, but yeah. very slowly. So after learning from the first game about your marketing, did you hire someone from the get-go for marketing for your next project, or you stayed with the small group? I think that we were trying to do it by ourselves. We understood that we were doing bad with this title stuff and, and communication, to be honest, and we knew about it. 
and we were doing it by ourselves for 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 a few few for a few few next games. But then we 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 we, we just saw that we must real we really need some let's say expert experience in this field to to really flourish on the marketing side. But and we were we started to. Uh, I think it was more than more than five years ago. We started to work uh, um, uh, with Patrick, with Patrick, just and then, but he was only working with us for the part time, and and he was helping us a bit at the beginning with this work of mine. But he was really working just in the small pieces on it, and then after I think I think two or three years, we convinced him. Patrick, you need to work with us because he was working for a huge outlets, media outlets, worldwide media outlets, and he wasn't that convinced that, hey, you are a small games company, hey guys. <laughs> and then after a few years, we convinced him, Patrick, you need to work with us because uh, you will be happy working with us and we will need you to be honest. And right now he's with us and he's doing marvelous things. So. And our marketing team is right now, I think, about six or maybe more persons right now. So it's, it's a, and guys are really doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, this may be a weird question, but like, from what you, as you know now, what, from the things you know now, how would you have sold Anomaly back then? Like, if you like, you know, had the experience you have now. I mean, we know you changed the name. We clearly, <laughs> we know about that, but like. What? Yeah, and I, I would just communicate it in the easiest ways possible. I, I wouldn't be afraid of telling about mm -hmm. it's just an inverted tower defense game. Right. Change the title and communicate it this way, and I think this 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 the, that would do a lot to the to the game. Yeah. Another thing I would do, but this was just totally going to start. I would, to be honest, I think we. Should, we could do back then much more on, on a YouTube, but we just understood it only a few, few years later. Right. YouTube was starting and uh, it was starting to get some traction, but we didn't saw it, right. to be honest. And, and I think we only saw it, we, we saw it at, uh, when we were doing this World Mine. Yeah. And this is, there is a funny story about it because Bartek, our um, technical director, mm -hmm. Patrick, Bartek knew that uh, we all knew that we suck at YouTube back right. then, at okay. this, this war of mine times. And Bartek said, "Okay, guys, I will try to solve it." Mm -hmm. He has, a, he, and he was a technical director, but he was very analytical guy, and he was very totally ana analytical. And Bartek approached it from just this mathematical analytical approach and he scanned the whole YouTube for uh, for YouTubers. Mm -hmm. he, he made a huge Excel and he started to push emails to those guys, but not that the way that he just pushed the letters to all of those guys, the letter for email for all, all of the guys, but he did it you know you know in the iterations. He created the first email and sent it to five. YouTubers, no response. Right. Next five YouTubers, one response. Next, 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 next. And he was learning on how to attract and how to communicate. 
Right. How to communicate this game, this world mine, to YouTubers, how to explain this game and how to catch them. To be honest, it might sound uh, bad, but yeah, it was just trying to catch those guys. Okay. Was this before or after the game came out? No, it was before the before game came okay. out. He was, we, re we really knew that the YouTube is very important back then, and, and Bartek did it from the analytical side. He wasn't a marketing, he wasn't totally a marketing guy, he's such a different guy. Sure. But he did it perfectly. We had such a huge coverage on YouTube. Um, you know, I mean, hundreds of YouTubers were buying, playing uh, okay. this world of mine, before, I think, even before the release. And okay. it was his, really, his, his work. So you guys, you guys were sending them early versions of the game, yeah. so that they could make videos before the game came out. Yeah, but before we were at the stage, we needed to have this contact, this conversation, and it wasn't easy, and it's not easy right now, to be honest. Sure, so it's always the same time, but but Bartek did it some, you know, in, in, in his way. Yeah, so that so he did it in a way where he didn't get discouraged, you know, like it didn't work, well keep at it until you figure out how to, yeah. how to do it. He was super strategic, yep. respect to that he guy. Is. <laughs> <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a sense of like what he needed to change to get their attention? Mm, I don't remember. Don't remember. Okay. No, I, I, was, I, I was commenting his mails and stuff like this, we all were thinking about what to, what to write back then, how to, how to communicate the guys, but I don't remember. It's, okay. Not a question for me right now. Okay, all right. Well, let's back up actually to so after Anomaly came out, was was this more this war mine was your guys' next project? No, no. we committed a few other <laughs> <laughs> anomalies. <laughs> no, okay. We we of course we expanded the anomaly license and created some anomaly. Oh, there was a sequel, right? Yeah, anomaly Korea, uh, anomaly two. Right. We tried on multiplayer. Okay. In Anomaly 2, but that was a big mistake. No. Okay. Uh, because I mean, people. Because if I think if you create today a multiplayer game, you have to focus on the multiplayer experience, mm -hmm. and we did it the old school way. So we created a single player with an option for multiplayer right. gaming, which is yeah, actually, sure. It doesn't make sense. But what we committed, to be honest, the biggest mistake is actually two titles for the iOS. Two titles for iOS. Yeah, you made you made something for iPhone. We made something for iPhone because it was a time when it sounded like a very good alternative. Sure. It was a promised land. It was, yeah. new, it was new. It was hot. It was okay. So they both kind of you know sold, but we realized that iOS is not a platform that we kind of want to address mainly. What what type of games were there? That was. Uh, I don't know. Was it was Funky Smugglers? Funky Smugglers and playing Sleepwalkers. Okay. I still think the Sleepwalkers journey is a great game. I think Funky Smugglers is really fun to play. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's not, these games weren't that bad, but yeah, but at the end we weren't happy about it. No, but the problem is that we are, were actually trying to create some kind of games for the casual player. Uh -huh. And we are not casual gamers ourselves. Right. You didn't necessarily understand your audience. We didn't really understand that audience, but most over we didn't knew how to communicate to this audience. We wanted to create game for gamers and communicate to gamers and not to casual players. So we kind of, you know, backed up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, so, you know, you, so you tried that out, you know, you tried the casual stuff out, you yeah. know, you kind of like, sounds like you kind of went out as far as you could go on Anomaly. Mm -hmm. So then, what, so that kind of put you in a, a, a new 
place, right? So what did you decide to do then? Or like, how did you how did you decide to, you know, take the step to this war of mine at that point? Uh, you know, when we finished working on Anomaly Two, I think we and when we finished working on Funky Smugglers and and Sleepwalkers Journey, we 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 said to ourselves, okay, let's go back to this gamers games. Yeah. And we were making some kind of game. It was called Shelter. Shelter. Okay. Yeah. So we we were making some kind of let's say post-apocalyptic game Shelter. Okay. And the view was totally like this war of mine. It was a cross section, and it was a community, small community, and it was all happening in post-apocalyptic space. Okay. Uh, times. Yeah, wait, so it was a cross-section? Yeah, it was just a cross-section. Okay. Yeah, it also was a cross-section, but we, I think after the eight months of development, we weren't happy about this game. The game was... It was... First of all, it wasn't that much developed, and we had problems with the team, some kind... The, the, it was yeah. all was happening very, very, very slow, yeah. and totally sucked, and the... But this is one problem. But the second problem is that was it a, like was it a crafting survival type game? I mean, was it still that? It was. Let's on, on the one hand, it was a bit like let's say tower defense, but it wasn't a tower defense because it was some kind of a game when you had those waves of yeah. wastelanders that come oh, to your okay. house and, in uh, the middle of the of the desert, post-apocalyptic okay. desert, okay. and you had to take care of your people in yeah. this house. And, and defend, and defend your, your house in this apocalyptic times, and, uh, and that was it. But at the end we weren't happy about this, because the game wasn't talking about anything. It was just a game, and we understood that hey, it was just lacking something, and we, and we weren't happy about it. It was just some kind of a medical situation. It was, yeah. it, it was the game was... Some sort of what? Medicore. It was... Oh, medicore, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was... Well, do we really want to make it? Yeah. No. I mean, could it have been? Was it? The, I mean, could it have been fun? But you just didn't feel like it was like meaningful. Yeah, it, we, there wasn't this value about being just fun, but we wanted some some other value, maybe higher value. We 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 didn't understand it back then, but we were we started to search it back then for this. You know, there were some kind of the ideas to okay, so maybe let's have a family inside. There were different ideas behind it. Let's say the family that. So we 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 started to think about emotions. Okay. Yes. We, we 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 you know we, we turned into to, to emotions and tried to find the emotions in in the games. So I think and it was back then that everyone in the company was asked, "Hey guys, think about it." Everyone was asked, "Think about what we could do in this game to have the emotions in the game." How to switch the the, the, the shelter and and give it something, some some value. And you said everyone was interested in it, like you guys. Yeah. Everyone. That sounds um, that's actually a little bit remarkable. It seems like that might have been even been. I can imagine at some companies that might be a hard sell, that they may not not everyone would be into that. So. Yeah, it was. But for us, it was natural. It was. I think the the. the the DNA in the company was a really open, and still is a very open company. So, so I think it's totally natural that at our at eleven bit we can ask, and everyone is involved. Anyone can have ideas. I don't want to, you know, explore it more, but it's just did, just did, and we just ask everyone, 
And Greg, Greg came once, came after I think two weeks of just searching for how to switch this shelter into something, something, something with much more value. And then we we, we thought, and the, the, the Greg came to the, to the company and said, "Hey guys, I just read an article, and I read about an article that was written by a by a um, how a like a civil." Oh, I'm sorry. A civilian. Civilian. Ah, I forgot the word. Sorry. About a civilian during a war, and I think it was in Serbia or something like back then. It was. He just read an article and then he read some other articles about life of a civilian during a war. Okay. Again, during a siege, during a war. Right. And we. Exactly. I just read this article and I thought that we could use it somehow, we could use it somehow and we, there might be something in it. And he, when he told it about it, when he told it, us about it, we just instantly, I remembered it myself, uh, just instantly when I thought about this idea about civilians in this, in this world, I, I, I remember I said that Greg, I think uh, it is a very risky project, but I think it will be the most important thing I've done till this time and we should definitely do this and we all agree, we all agreed and everyone agreed that we definitely need to try to do that. It was some kind of, this idea was so luring, luring for us and we thought, hey, let's try it. It would be very, totally risky to do this game, but let's do it. Why were you, why were you so drawn to it? Because for the first time you're actually talking about something interesting and important. Right. Something that you never did in games. Right. I mean, this is. I remember when we finished this work, mine, and we had a guy who wanted to make a board game, mm-hmm. and he was a good designer and known in Poland. And what, what, when he came to us, he did same the same thing. I want to make you game because for the first time in my life in game design, I will do something important, right. which has a meaning. And uh, it's like Travis said. Uh, when you have six people or seven people around the table and then suddenly you have a subject and everyone has to tell something about it and you see the spark in the eyes, right. you realize that yes, this is probably the project that you need to, to make. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you, know, you guys are all on the same page about what you want to make the game about, Yeah. but of course there's lots of different ways to make a game about being a civilian in a war, so... Yeah, well... We did a hell of, of research. I mean, we all are kind of Central Europe, so we had uh, First World War, Second World War, sure. half of the city being raised to the ground, etc. But we, we did some research uh, mostly around uh, the war of uh, Sarajevo, the siege of Sarajevo. Yeah. Uh, but also about the siege of Stalingrad, of uh, other cities. And basically, we had so many inspiration from this research. Mm-hmm. Uh, something which we will talk about tomorrow, by the way. Right. That it just came up as a design. Right. <laughs> Almost instantly, you know. We, we identified a lot of situations that are very common when a city is besieged. Okay. So we had snipers shooting during the day, civilian activity at night, no tap water, no electricity. 
the cold is coming, everybody's have no wood, so they cut all the trees around mm. and they cut the furniture and there is the city is cut off so there is no food, so there is no medicines, so there is no trade, all trade is bartering. That kind of set up the world. Yeah, that you set up the fact about the world. I think it was very important because it gave us a lot of things to be designed. Right. Straight off the box. Yeah, almost. I mean the list the list of things you rattled off, yeah. I'm like, yeah, all of those things are in the game, right? Yeah. It was like a design document. Almost. <laughs> Somehow. Uh, but I think there was another very important lesson for us. This was actually that war as it is depicted in the game. Mm-hmm and in real life is basically hundred different stories right. of small people, small mm-hmm. situation, a person who doesn't want to burn his collection of books despite the cold. Right. Because they are so important to them. Yeah. Not not as a material value, as a kind of human value. And and uh, I think this also kind of set up the, the approach to this work of mine. To right. make it like uh, small stories all around that will tell you one big history of war as a civilian. Right. Yeah, if you, if you tell a one-person story, it makes it so much more real. You know? mm-hmm. It's so easy to say, like, a hundred thousand people died in this event, which is horrible, but it doesn't, it doesn't have the same meaning, you know? Yes, but on, on the other hand, you see, this person has problems with, with, with his family. The other person was shot by the window because there was sniper head, and he was just... L- l- always sitting in that place. Yeah. He was just unlucky. Uh, the other got robbed. And, except, and like you make this war like a puzzle of different small stories one around the other, you know, to create a big picture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Alright. So, 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 so that was the research which kind of right. kind All of was a goal. So you start, you did the research, kind of figured out, you know, the stuff that you wanted to put in the game. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this, this must have been a very different design process mm-hmm. for you guys. So how did you, I mean, how did you approach it? I mean, we, we, we had one thing in, in, in our head pretty fast, which actually made that process much easier. We had, we had in our head this loop mm-hmm. that we are going to stay in the shelter during the day because of the snipers, etc. Right. That most activity will happen in the night. Right. And that it will be some kind of economy of scavenging things because we are spare on resources so we need to get the resources and go back and that there will be this kind of element of hiding mm-hmm. and being uh, alert mm-hmm. that would kind of make the player more immersed in the situation right so we had this little loop in mind right and we built upon it so then again since we want to make a game about ordinary people, yeah. because we want to talk about civilians. So there will be no level up. Right. And when we play the game, sometimes it was so luring to create some kind of level up of sure. skill up system. <laughs> <laughs> it, worked, it worked so well. You it know? worked so well. It's like exactly. But we have to you know, throw it out. There will be no extra equipment slot for, for example, our soul. Okay. To open something. And we even tested it. Somewhere. No, throw it away. Okay. And why why did you throw it away? Because it started to being unrealistic. And there was also some kind of things that came, let's say, from the side. Uh, 
this was a small project, so everything had to be symbolic. Okay. So we had to think about how to make all this simpleness uh, have a meaning. Okay. Yeah? Like just 10 equipment slots. Right. Yeah. Stuff like that. And uh, again, so a lot of things come up. If we, if, if, if we want to, for example, think about ordinary stories, like real life stories, so there cannot be any workarounds to hard situations. Right. This is something which is very common in RPG games. Right. right. This has a problem, this has a problem. If I look around, I will make everyone happy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, we have to skip, uh, skip things like this. And yeah. I have a list. You have a list. <laughs> okay. Um, so did you also? So you did also the, base the game on the bones of shelter, in the sense that like it was a it was a cross section, and like you know you had like a group of people. Like you, did you a build good it off question. Of I think that partially yes, partially it was kind of important because we could show what's happening in the house. Yeah. And it was uh, also Shonik's decision on the side if he wanted that artistically and he wanted yeah, it. Yeah, it was, but I think it, the, 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 the first thing that Mike Michal said was most important because we wanted to show the community. We, we were attracted by some other views like top-down view, but top-down view has the problems of not showing the, what character is doing right now, so it, mm -hmm. it's very hard to show the emotional state, the behavior of the character. Sure. We were attracted by the... Even there were some talks about let's do this game a first-person game or a third-person game. Uh, well, but again, then you will mostly focus on your personal, on this one character. You won't see the whole the whole community, the whole... this group of people. So that, that was also the decision, doing this cross-section in this scale, in this camera view, to have to see the whole the whole community. What's what's funny is the game was designed at the beginning with the mouse in mind, with the steering with mouse. And with while you were steering steering with mouse, you were you had this feeling of the community. But then we had we, we decided that we will also publish these games on consoles and we switched and we designed the game for the from the controllers. And the small change affected how the game will, how you felt the game because in, when you were playing with the controller you were you were moving this character you were you was this you were this character right. because this this you were just moving him and it was a different experience that with the mouse when you told you, you picked someone and 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 all ordered us to do something, go there, do something, do something. It was just, I don't, I, it's hard to explain for me, but it, it's different. When with mouse you are controlling the community, right. with, with a pad you are... You become the character. You become the character. So the, the small change affected the behavior. So this is why the camera, at the beginning, this is one of the decisions why the, the view was a cross-section and in this scale to show the all people inside, but not go too close to each of the characters because of the constraints of the studio. We were too small to to make it very believable with a you know high zones with showing faces and stuff like this. No, we we just we just set the scale 
to show the emotions and behaviors and the states of the people. Yeah. And that was it. And a lot of stuff will, will a lot of additional stuff in the art side was done by the bubbles. Right. The bubbles were, were one of the very important player in the in the game because the bubbles communicated a lot of the styles uh, of the states, emotions, behavior, uh, what's going on with them. The bubbles were really very important for, in communication for, for, for the game. Right. Yeah. But but uh, I think the second important thing was uh, actually we, we depicted the world, we knew how to make it, and pretty much has an idea. But uh, the most important part is actually give the player freedom. Right. And give the player freedom in each choice what he would make. And with that freedom, the important part is consequences. So we need to make the player at least aware of the consequences, of possible consequences of what he's doing. And I think the third important aspect here is that the world in which he plays is a real world with people good, bad, but there is some kind of morality in this world and there are no obvious enemies and sometimes it's the player who is the intruder right. and almost at each moment the player has to think what am I, am I doing, why am I doing this, right. what should be the decision to make it, right. so we didn't want it to be kind of uh, like you said, uh, showing the what's good was bad. Yeah, that's your freedom. Do look at the consequences. Hear to what the people are saying about it, right. because you, the people in your shelter are commenting right. this situation, and they 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 too they have different characters. Right, because they are egoists who might say, why did we help them? Right, we need all that food. Yeah, so that was the idea. Right, and I think a very important one. And after one, after the game, you have this kind of handlock when you just can't watch what you did. And uh, another. It's yeah. Sorry, so at the end of the game, you get a handlock. We call that an handlock. Okay, a list of the things. A list of slides with uh, kind of uh, uh, information, like something happened. Okay, and these are like the, some of the major decisions, like the player. Yes, mostly major decision, major events. Uh, Thing that kind of sum up your your playthrough, your, your story. Right. Can you? So you talked about how you wanted to give the player freedom to make a range of choices. What type of choices? Like, can you define like what that range was and what type of consequences you were interested in showing? Like, what did you know? What tough what tough decisions did you want the player to make? Yeah. Well, basically, what the player is deciding almost at any step is kind of deciding between his good or the good of his people. Right. Uh, and the good of others. Right. And uh, there are situations like, I think they are really close to real life, even if it's not in time of war. Right. When there was, for example, a situation when you see a girl being bullied by some military. Yeah. And you have a few, I don't know, maybe 15 seconds right. to act. You can see this scene, you can observe. And it's your decision if you are going to risk your life and interfere, mm -hmm. or just close your eyes and you know walk back. That's okay. Right. I mean, this is what's happening on the street when you see someone being aggressive to yeah. to some other person. You you can react or you can just withdraw and I don't know go yeah. by your business. So that kind of situation. So for a, for a decision like that, what type of consequences did you put in place, or did you not? No, but, but, okay, uh, the, the first type of consequences is actually it's going to happen. I mean, 
the girl is gonna suffer. Right. And uh, you will see. You, okay, you might see that. Yeah. You might then, after scavenging, see the body mm -hmm. or something like that. Uh, and of course, there's always people in the house that comment on it. Right. Don't remember. Yeah. Uh, but you know, another situation which I pretty very like in the game is there is a house of old person. There, there is an old couple. Yeah. And you rush into the house, and the old guy says, "Why are you coming here? Yeah. What do you want?" And the player's the reaction is like, "Oh fuck! <laughs> what, what, what do I want?" And <laughs> 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 the intro. Right, right. He's talking about his wife being very sick, etc. And there were players who were like, "Okay, okay, I, I need to do something probably," sure. but but the guy doesn't want anything. There, there is no quest in that level. You cannot solve anything. Right. You can go to the fridge and store the food. <laughs> you can go and store the medicine. Right. And what, what we have observed that there were people who were playing like this. Okay, I'm listening to the guy. I'm going to the fridge. I'm taking the food. Right. I'm going back. Nah. I'm backing to the fridge, leaving half of the food and getting up. But this is great because this is empathy. Yeah. This is actually playing on people's empathy and there is no reward for leaving the food. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. so those kinds of choices. Yeah. Was it was it tempting not to have some sort of like is that was that what you wanted to do intentionally, that you wanted the game to not judge? Yes. yes. That was a very uh, very uh, first decision. Right. When, when, when kind of designing the game, we don't want to judge. Because, you know, if somebody judge you, if somebody score you on a good and evil scale, you stop making decisions, you're starting playing on the scale. Right. You, you, you're starting being mechanical. Yeah. I think that the, the biggest judgment at the end was the, the reminding. Right. This is at what happened. At the end was the reminding only. So, for example, uh, I won't refer to this old couple, but, I, for example, if you killed someone in the game, at the begin, at the end, you will just be reminded you killed a person for the first time that day. And yeah. it's just a reminder. And if you read into this text, you will, if you are empath, and you, you, you and you can read into this text, you will, you I think you could feel it that you really killed someone for the first time, and it was just just it. It was some kind of. Our, you know, our, our way of showing you how we progress through this game. Yeah. How did you decide how many days is the war gonna last? I don't remember. <laughs> you know, okay, talking it straight, I think we, it was, uh, uh, um, it's, it's a bad word. I think this case was. Business decision, it's a bad word, but we really are aiming, hey, we need just have minimum eight hours of gameplay because the <laughs> right. journalist will kill us <laughs> and stuff like this. And the gamers would like to have more. So be honest, we just, we, we, we wanted to have a minimum of... Uh, no, 40 days, I think, 40 days so was kind of a middle. It was middle just, month. you know, and we were testing it if how much no, space you know, we need. It's also like there is actually in the game one important event which is coming of the winter. Yeah. Which is a very change the gameplay. Yeah. There is a kind of smaller event which are more intensive, right? Mm -hmm. And we had in mind other things, mm -hmm. but we just had no, no time to make them. 
Right. So that's so, so kind of you know, a trade of what we could and what we wanted to do and yep. stuff like that. Who came up with the chair? With the chair? You just sit on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very important because you, not everyone could sleep <laughs> and you needed the chair. In the beginning of the game, you start, there is a chair. No one made it. <laughs> and you just go, and someone sits on it. And I'm like, okay, now something's gonna happen. <laughs> Nothing happens. I'm like, I kind of like this. <laughs> yeah, but also uh, at some point we wanted this house or this shelter to kind of gain some kind of natural feeling. Mm -hmm. If the player is feeling well, so he can build something like a more alarmed, etc., guitar, etc. It's kind of, you know, it kind of appeases the whole the level of of um, the moral. How do you call it? The feeling of the person, like if yeah. he's feeling bad or feeling good, etc. But this is kind of a gimmick. Yeah. It's not something very important. I think but the most important with this feeling was actually getting to a trauma level. To get into a trauma? Yeah, so, so it, it basically goes like this. Each personality has a bio. It's kind of his story of his life. And uh, each personality can be in different moods. Uh -huh. And the critical mood is kind of broken. Uh -huh. If the character reaches the broken level, then there is some kind of math going under. Uh -huh. And he might commit suicide. Right. He might suffer some kind of post-traumatic syndrome, and that change his biography yeah. into something not cool. Yeah, like he wouldn't achieve his goals yeah. later on, which is kind of summed up at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. I was, I have to say, I was pretty shocked the first time I saw a character like commit suicide in the game. Like that's a pretty. It's a pretty bold choice. I can't. I can't think of a name another game that, that did something. It was. I was like, that could happen. Like, you know, yes, kind of like it, it, there's this little break between the like connection of like even like control over your characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know that like okay, they're depressed, so they can't get to do so much. But like to actually kill themselves is like it's not. It's not very common. No. Uh, uh, no, but I mean, but also in terms of mechanics. Sure. To, to, sure. To get killed, but, but I think it's it, it was also important because. You know, if you play against your character to some degree, if you have good characters and you take a bad character and this bad character is going rampage on the level, which you can do then, right. uh, they will all suffer yeah. and they will all get into this trauma. So I, I, I think it's a valid, valid consequences of sure. long-term gameplay. Okay. It's a valid consequence because... Um, because you push them to a level. There's no other way out, essentially. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, did you guys have, like, debates over whether you should include that in the game? Yes, we always have debates. Sure, yeah. I mean, we had, we had a lot of, more, even more debates when we were doing Frostpunk. Right, later sure. On. But I think it's also, I don't know, right now I have this, 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 this feeling that it's not a question of if we should talk about something, it's more what way should we talk about it, how, okay. to, how to show it, how to justify it. Right. Uh, because it's... So, so not to cover some problems. Yeah. And say that they don't happen. Yeah. Just show it the proper way. Yeah. yeah. And also be, 
be prepared in, earlier of, of how to answer the journalists who sure. asked <laughs> why did we make it this way and to have a good answer for this. That's also what we think when we have those debates, when we cover some, let's say, uh, hard topic. We and we and if we and then we go for this hard topic. We just want to be, you know, prepared for the journalists. No, but yeah, what they, what they say. I mean, one of the hard topic in Frostbite, for example, was actually the problem of cannibalism. Okay, it's right. kind of creepy. Sure, and. The, the, other, the other problem is that, okay, so we can throw it out, it's creepy, let's, right. not, let's forget about it. But we have a, a situation of a city who survives in time of extreme cold winter without food. So we are not going to talk about this. <laughs> sure. Right. And if we go to history, I must see it of Stalingrad. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we have historical record of such behavior. Yeah. So we change our approach. Instead of making it a law that can be just, you know, put on the kind of low tree. We created this as a event that goes from the society. So you kind of see the first situation and you right. can react or respond to it or not. Right. And it goes like that. If you allow it to go too far away, then you can bring up right. some kind of law. Right. Yeah. But we had a lot of debate about <laughs> it. We changed it a few times before yeah. putting it to game. I'm trying to think what other taboos Topics you guys have left to explore for <laughs> future games, but uh, castration. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but there was, for example, there was the huge debate of if we should if we should have uh, black people in the Frostbank, for example. Okay. There was this debate about it, and we we just checked the statistics for the London at those times, and the percentage was so low that it wasn't. Historical, historically correct, right. and we didn't do it, but we had the answer in mind, and we know that why we did it, why we did do it, and if someone would ask, hey guys, but this was historically during the Victorian industrial times, that is the percentage, so we didn't lie, it was just a history, right. so that would, that's, that, that is, that's what's, what's our approach for the past games and the future games, if we have a decision, we just need to know why and okay. have, the, have the answer for it. Yeah. Alright, um, so when you said that you didn't want to, you didn't want to pass judgment on the user's actions, mm -hmm. or in the sort of mind, were you... I mean, not, 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 not as a narrative person. Okay. Because the other people can judge him. Oh, because sure. The work is giving him feedback, and this is a normal world, so... Yeah. So, so, so. Okay. I mean, that is a form of judgment. I mean, you're putting it in. I mean, in many ways, like, it's a very effective form of judgment. Mm -hmm. Because people are very sensitive to what their peers think of them, right? So. Okay, but there is no score, and this is more empathy than uh, something else. But there's no score. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, well, I guess, actually, that maybe the answer is what I'm saying. So I'm saying, if, like, if you really choose to have very little judgment, there's the risk that, like, players just look at the, look at as, as a bunch of systems, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it seems like one of your main, you know, goals as a designer was how do you get people to care about these decisions that are essentially just thematic, you know, they're not really about like the actual gameplay per se. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, did you have, like, what were the most, what were the most effective ways of doing that? Can you ask the question again? Okay, sure. Um, so... 
What, what what were the most effective things to make people care about the decision? Yeah, they like made? that they wouldn't that they wouldn't look at it purely of like, okay, maybe someone. Um, you know, I'm just going to do this because I'm just looking at it as a bunch of numbers. I'm, I'm trying to yes, see the yes, numbers. Yes, I'm trying yes. to see, push this up. Okay. I want to keep the people well, alive, blah, blah, blah. I think the first and foremost question is if the person who is playing the game, yeah. do they really want to have this experience of a mm -hmm. civilian in war? Right. Or not? Yeah. It's, for me, it's pretty much the same if I'm going for a lot of doings to a movie theater. Okay. I can sit inside and kind of want to hear the story, or I can look at it say, but, but this is a plastic kind of dragon who is flying, right. he is pixel-made, what, what do I care about what I'm seeing? Right. So I think this is the first, the, first, the first thing that goes on, if the player wants to actually experience this world, and if he wants, if, if he has this suspension of disbelief, mm -hmm. and if he treats those people with empathy, right. then he should kind of think of that decision in the right way. But there are no tricks to make it happen. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I was just saying, like, maybe they would want to, but there's probably a lot of players who maybe would want to, but aren't used to doing that with games, right? Like, they're not used to approaching maybe. games. Right? Yes, yes, of course. I, I think the, the, this world of mine has its audience, mm -hmm. which likes the game, and has other which might not like it at all. Right. And treat it exactly like, like, like a bunch of mechanics. I mean, this is kind of an experiment also. Yeah. Yeah. There uh, are consequences, though. The character will get depressed. Right. Yes, of course. Yes, there are some kind of consequences in this time. Yeah. Yes, but I, I still think that, like mathematical perception of the game, is not the way to go. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I. I understand. Um, was the decision to make it black and white, like there from the very beginning? It's not a black and white game. Grayscale. Yes, yeah. very muted. Yeah. But I think that the idea behind it to mostly was we called it, let's say, a novel, novel, novel look. Yeah. Like a you know written novel because we wanted to have this uh, mixture of of realism mm -hmm. and it was just this. Everything is real textures and stuff like this, and all this covered with this drone style of I don't know if you if you remember there was this drone sketchy yeah like sketchy pattern that's happening yeah. and we we just wanted to be to have this mix of realism and mix of mix of sketch to have this to be in, in between mm. not tell that it's too realistical and not tell that it's uh, that it's imagined or, 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 or drawn, and and why 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 black and white? Why, why muted? I think it somehow amplified the the mood. And why the what I'm what I'm using mood because I when we when we think of how we create our games at Living Studios is is okay. We have this message because behind every game and then when we want to realize this game we don't especially put a design at the first at the at the first our priority or an art at our first priority our our priority is to create the best mood mm -hmm. as a, some I don't know if you understand but some kind of create this bond 
bond of design and art for everything to be coherent and everything to amplify what's going on. So we wanted to amplify this experience and also be true. As an, another example, for example, when, uh, you, know, you know, there is this story behind this, also how we were true and we tried to amplify everything is every character in this world of mine. I, I, I don't know if you saw, there are some photographs of, of, of the people yeah. in, in mm -hmm. the game. And those are us or our friends or people we, we just met. And all those photographs were taken very naturally during the day. And it were just, hey, would you like to be in the game as a as yeah. photo? Okay, so just go by this wall and just, I will take your photo. Yeah. And it was, there was no makeup, there was no preparation for this. Everything was natural as it is. Because did you know what you were going to, when you took each photograph, did you know what you were going to use it for? Or did you just like make a collection and then decide? Yeah, we, I think we made a collection and then we tried to, 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 to connect the, the bios of, of, of our characters to, 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 to those photos. But some of the characters even transferred those real life, uh, real life, uh, uh, let's say jobs and stuff like this to the bios. Mm -hmm. Well, the mood definitely is drawn. Like you, you, you can feel it from the coloring, from from the art, from the music. It's very dreadful. Mm -hmm. It's very, very dreadful. Yeah, yeah. it's heart wrenching. You, you, you know that we were so tired. After finishing this of mine, really, <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah, with, with with all those really hard decisions, this mood, yeah, and living in that world for almost more than two years, yeah, that's a really dark experience. I remember this. The I remember this moment when we, we, I think we made the first prototype of this world of mine after three months, mm -hmm. and we, to be honest, we really focused on the mood. Yeah, we had the shelter. Uh, we had this basic loop that mm -hmm. Michael called, told you about, so this day and night cycle, but very basic without crafting, fighting and stuff like this, with very basic after three months, but we really focused on the mood, so we all, we, after these three months we already have this intro of moving into the house at the, at the start, and with these characters standing, having some idols, this music, this background that amplified the war, Wars, war times and stuff like this, and I remember when we finished this prototype, I came to to to, to, to my my uh, my my father and mother house, my parents' house, and there was my brother, and he's younger than me, and I and I asked him, hey, Magic, can you, would you like to play what we are doing right now? Yeah, and he. And I think he was playing, started playing it at late evening, and we finished about first o'clock. And he was so sad; he was even crying. And he said that the mood is so tense in this game that she had, he had to stop it. So, what I'm trying to say is, I'm referring to what Michal said, to what you were talking later. So, for some, for some people, the game is when they have some kind of empathy, it's really. It can be depressing. It, it can. It, it is okay, but for some people who have too much empathy, mm -hmm. the game might be even too much. 
Sure. To be honest, so there is this edge after your empathy is too much to play this game because it is so tense. For example, when when we were and so realistic and so real, this game is for us was really it was really so real for us. I remember when when we were scanning because everyone in the game is scanned. We didn't model again. We didn't wanted to have artificial artificial stuff in the game. So every character is scanned to mm -hmm. be natural and to be real. But we have some children running then, and we asked people if they want to have their child scanned and a lot of people declined. I personally also declined to be to have my child right. scanned into this war of mine because I didn't want this because I thought that this might my, my, my child will be this character during those times and it was so hard for us to for me to approve it. One another example is for example I'm also scanned in this game but the game is so real that I I, I didn't want it to be a character in this game because I knew that this character can be depressed, can hide himself, can, can die, and I thought this game is real. So, okay, I'm a trader in the game, and nothing bad can happen to me as a trader. Oh, okay. But it was so real <laughs> that I didn't want it to be a playable character because, just as I said, it was real and natural. Yeah. And you could imagine it. Because, you know, Ah, well, I remember what I wanted to tell you about the photographs. Okay. And now I and now I get it, because we we were doing these photographs as people were standing without preparations, because one of the one of the phrases, one of the messages of this game was, war always happens at somebody's doorsteps, and it can happen instantly. You won't be prepared for it. It just is like it. We've read a lot of stories about like Serbia and stuff like and the war in Serbia and, and Bosnia and Herzegovina and for example they what they what they always neglect that the war will come to their houses even if the front was moving to the Sarajevo they neglected it that now there won't be any war and then it happened and they, they in denial. and they weren't prepared. Yeah. And just it happened instantly the war happened. Yeah. So it was there was no preparation, there were just normal people, and we are normal people, and it can happen to everyone. And it's, that's what's really cool also at the, this world of mine. It's so close for you to imagine yeah. the situation. It's yeah, I, around the world everywhere, so it's also the, the strength of the title. Yeah, I, I know that I made a mistake like shortly after the game came out, because it just seemed so... You know, it felt like it felt so personal to you guys, uh, or it felt it felt so so true to life that I knew you guys were Eastern European. I think I made the mistake of thinking that you guys were Serbian. I think I've already okay. told some people that you know, like yeah, it's this developer from Serbia, and they made a game about their experience from the war, and like it's you know, it's amazing. And you know, at any rate, because it just felt felt like you had really thought it through. You know what they're talking about, like those Polaroid shots. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like they look like almost like someone was like called and they turn around and there was like this shot of them. They don't look like they're standing and like posing for the shot. It's very good call on your end. And you're the but, trader. But you know that we had a person coming yeah. to us. Uh, so I was going to ask about the AI. Like, is it random? 
Because it's like he never brings me the stuff that I want, and he does. It's so expensive. It's like he's a good trader. Yeah, I also don't like trader. <laughs> so what were you saying? No, no, no. That we had after some conference in Vienna, a guy came to us. Uh, the, he he didn't experience the work he said, but uh, her, he, his parents did, mm-hmm. and uh, he said that it's good that we made it because it was some kind of thing that would be hard to be made by themselves. It would be too hard to do it themselves. Yeah. yeah. But he was also very. He, he said that he doesn't remember too much, but he he think that we grabbed the mood and the overall atmosphere of, the, of those time. Yeah. Which is quite. Nice to hear. Yeah. It's a great what was the aim from the market? Like so you go to the market and sometimes there are riots and so when he goes to the market to sell and Ah, okay, 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 okay. Was it to like create tension so the character goes back home quickly? Yes, yes. On the overage, yes, yes. But not to partake. Yeah. Was was crafting always a part of the game? Like yes. Okay. This is kind of a, you know, we, we sometimes build out the game, I, I, I like to think of it that way, that there is a level at which I want to communicate the message of the game, mm-hmm. and there is some kind of level that is kind of a gameplay engine, right. because this needs game at the same time, Sure. and it, it, it's good if, those, if I get freedom on this kind of message layer. Mm-hmm. And the underneath layer is kind of linked, mm-hmm. but leave the game to roll as a game. Right. So, so crafting was part of the experience, but it's also extremely well fitted right. in the world that we were in. Right, it comes from the theme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, one thing that kind of also occurred to me, like, um, sort of seeing, you know, seeing the game played more and more is I was like, you know, it's really interesting because you could, I'm pretty sure you could basically take this game and instead decide to make it about zombies <laughs> instead of, like, being a civilian in a war. Yeah, of course, we could put some yeah. survivors. And, like, commercially, that seems like that would have been, like, like a surefire bet, right? Like, uh. <laughs> and I was like, I was just like, it was, I was like, it's pretty amazing that they did, especially, and that was also like right in the middle. There was a period of time where like, it seems like everyone was making a zombie game mm-hmm. for like yes, three, it seems like it was right in the middle of that. And I was like, it's really interesting that, you know, it has, you know, it would have fit that world so much, but you know, you, you really chose to make it about, you know, about people. Like there was no escaping that like, this game's yeah, about yes, people. I, I think, you know, we, we had a lot of letters yeah. so from different players. I mean, those who liked the game, obviously. But we had, for example, a letter from the United States when one of the a father said that he really is happy that he came across a game mm-hmm. because it allowed him to communicate with his children about the subject that he didn't have the tool to communicate. Really? Yeah. He lived through something like this? Or? No, 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 no. But he, he wanted to, to kind of uh, tell them about how war can be like can be like yeah. uh, from a perspective that well basically in current times America doesn't have any world inside its yeah. country they are all kind of outside yeah so there are problem mostly of the soldiers 
Right. Yeah. How did you envision the reception of your game? We have no idea how it will be received. I think that one of the biggest of my problem was that we actually were developing this game in a kind of, you know, under a bowl of sure. black <laughs> glass and we were communicated with some testers, but before doing some bigger tests, we were like having no idea what would be the big reception. Did you? We, we were even making some kind of pizza test. We were inventing a pizza test, which is like, we will let the player play the game, then we will call that there is pizza, and we will check how many of them right. <laughs> come back to the computers. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Wow. Um, so what happened? How many went back? No, it was good. It was good, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, did you have some sort of plan to try to figure out what people, how people were going to respond, or like whether you're on the right track, or you just? I mean, we mostly have this kind of uh, uh, singular tester who were giving their opinion to us. Right. Yeah, but as soon as we can, we are doing these focus tests at, at, at the at the, at, at the earliest possible moment in development when we know that we have something we want to share. Mm -hmm. It can be in the, even in the middle of the development. We just, you know, bring some, let's say, 20, 30 people, and we just do some kind of focus. Yeah, but we, we focuses that tested the mood, that test the mood, that the understanding of the message, understanding of what this game is about, if what is this game is about is transferred in the game and stuff like this. So we are constantly checking. To be honest, how the game is, how the reception no, is, if, if there's an understanding of it. But, but we had made the test of long time playing quite late. Yeah, I know, but, but I think the mood and the, yes, the general mood idea right. was tested. But on the other hand, yes, it's what Michal said, we totally didn't know how the game will end up, how, how it will be received. We had some very good early you know video tests and previews and stuff like this but at the end you know maybe someone will tell after seven hours i don't want to play your game anymore right? yeah, yeah it's, it's sure. maybe too bold but it's some kind of artistical game so yeah. it might end up as being too artistical okay and not commercial yeah great artistical game at the end Cool, we've cool made experience. it. Yeah. Oh, we've made it. Cool, we've made it. But if it will be commercial, yeah. I don't know. Okay, I, I see. we've made it to be. This work was mine was made mostly as an artist. Let's say artistical need to express and to tell about this, uh, tell about this message, stuff like this. I think this commercial was on the was the second in our somewhere lower in our approach but of course we were praying that it will end up really well but you know on the third angle we are a stock we are a listed company uh, on the stock market okay. in Poland so you know we got and it's it's forbidden I'm just I'm just you know telling you the the, the, the hypothetical approach you know when the when the game launched Mm -hmm. We could tell everyone, buy our stocks, it will be totally awesome. Right. We totally didn't know how it will end up. <laughs> totally didn't know. The day, the, I think the, uh, the, the, game, the day that we have this, this lunch, we just sat there and really we weren't expecting what will happen. It was uh, just a guess. No, but I, I think it's always like that, to be honest. 
I, I'll give you, I mean, it tell seems like... More. Tell us more. Yeah, tell us more. you launched. Yeah, tell us what tell else. Tell us more. Okay, I'm glad we'll stop. What I should tell us? Tell us everything. <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm, I'm, I'm lost right now. Sorry. Oh, we're sorry, Mike. You didn't, uh, so you didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And then the game came out. So yeah. what happened? <laughs> like, you know, like how quickly did you, I remember over here, initially people were like, were they really weren't sure what this was. Um, and I think you were kind of getting to this a little bit earlier about, um, you know, like someone saying they're glad they had this game to share what war is like, because on the other hand, there's all in media, there's all sorts of representations, representations of war, mm -hmm. but it's always about soldiers and often and it's the a, a, a glorious yeah. version of it. It's not the bad version, right? And this isn't, this isn't just the bad side of war. It's the bad side of war for the people who are invisible, usually. Exactly. Right? So like, you know, like it was an unusual type of game and also just a completely unusual subject. And so, yeah, like people didn't, it, I think, I think there was this like uh, gap between people didn't know what to make of the theme, but then they were also kind of surprised that the gameplay hang hung together, mm -hmm. right? Because if the gameplay didn't hang together, that will... it, it would be like, oh, that's a weird game, and then they just would have forgotten about it. Yeah, exactly. Right, and that was what's important, that both sides were there. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, but I think, yeah, we launched, and I think it was, we, the, 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 the gamers weren't prepared for this game at the beginning, but it also, it, so the, the, we have a good reception, but it wasn't that huge waiting for this war of mine. And when the game launched, everyone was starting to talk about this war of mine game, and it somehow organically exploded. It, it expo for us, it exploded. We also had a great press coverage, I think, and we also had a great. Yeah, but players were players, well, players weren't waiting for this war of mine. No, of course they weren't. There wasn't any, you know. Hey, there will be this game. I'm waiting for it. No, there wasn't something like this. It was the coverage and the game launch, coverlet launch, and now everyone was talking about it. And I think in a few days, maximum a week, we just turn over everything for the, what we invested in the game. Mm -hmm. So it was for us. It was a total, total shock. It was what was going on. And, yeah, it was and a great success. And for and for this game, it was and. The example is what we are doing right now. The, we were talking about this game for three, three four years, and the, the, the reviews and previews and the coverage was happening in so, so non -game, no games outlets, like, you know, the Variety Times and stuff like that. Every magazine in the world, just normal daily magazine, was started to, talking about this world of mine. It was just a, something. I think it was something cultural, some new, yeah. some new changes, and also we are still doing this world of mine. To be honest, right now we are doing this world of mine, the first this world of mine, because we could do this world of mine too, but we totally don't think it will. You know, this world of mine. We knew why we did this game, and we don't want to do this world of mine before we know this world of mine too. Because before we know what we would like to talk about and why this should be this world mind too. So right now we are doing just stories for this world mind, some kind of right. additional stories 
exploring the world of the world mind. Yeah. But th this is still the, this world of mind one, and I don't know if whenever this world of mind two will happen because no, it's it. I, we have some kind of respect for this game, and we don't want to change it, and we don't want to you know to destroy it. Well, uh, let me ask you one other thing, which is that uh, one of the other things that stood out to me about this war of mine is it's it's a hard game, like it's pretty difficult, um, and uh, like do you think you got the difficulty right, or you think like the fact that it was it was really hard was like key to like keeping people going at it? I think we got the difficulty right, to be honest. No, if it, it, it's what you said before. The gameplay was also right, so the difficulty was right. If the gameplay would be bad, we, the game would, would not be such a hit, I can say it like this. I don't, I don't think, Michael, maybe you can say something about it also. I no. Mean, did yeah. you have debates? I mean, did, were there people who thought like it was too hard or like you guys were going to like... You know, no, like, I think we... I also think we got to try it. I mean, th there is always this kind of process that when the developer plays game in making yes. it's extremely hard, etc. Yeah. But we kind of tested it, and I think it's also a situation that in this world of mine, player death, character death, uh, right, is is a valid situation, right, and game failure to some degree is also a valid ending because if these people kind of protected his morality and he stands true to what he believes right and didn't survive the war right but he helped a lot of people he he lived a good life right this is all a valid ending that's a, so it's, yeah that's a different type of resolution yes yeah, so that's, that's a different type of resolution Did this that, come from design or testing or both this comes from I mean, the level of difficulty came from testing, but this approach that we will kind of say, okay, this is a valid and it's come from design. Because I don't know how many times I played the game, maybe five, six turns, I I die. I never survive the war, but I keep playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just survive this one more time. <laughs> She's gonna this will be my last. Wow. You're gonna be back at it now. <laughs> you know, there's always this kind of old designer trick. If you want to make something look better, do it a bit harder. Sure. So the player really wants to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Um, cool. So I'm trying to think uh, what we haven't haven't covered yet with with this war mine. Um, I mean, looking back, is there anything you would do differently? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I never have this feeling that looking back at something I, which sure. I did, I would make it differently. Because I'm always happy with what happens, and I think it's... Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not because it's perfect, but oh, because it's, 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 it was done at the time, the way right, we right. wanted Sure, it. that's fine. And uh, you've talked a lot about, you know, kind of circled around, like, you know, the meaning and the, uh, the emotions in the game. I mean, can you kind of sum up, like, what was... What is it that you guys were trying to communicate? You know, what were you trying to bring to the world? I mean, the, the most important thing we try to communicate is uh, how is it, what's the experience of being a civilian as well? Right. And this is the most important thing. And the, 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 the other things follow. So we all have our assumption about how world looks like. We all have assumption about how strong we are with our moral system, right. but 
will test that and will change it. And in many um, interviews with people who talk about war, then say something like, "These are different times. We yeah. cannot compare that." Yeah. So we talked. You talked early on about marketing, you know, being an issue for you guys you know, with your first game. Now this game is something like of a unique marketing challenge. Like, you know, like. What did you guys? What did you guys do to try to make it work this time? That time around. I think we told you about this YouTube approach, but yes. this is the one side of the things. I think that the, the second very very important approach is that early early from the beginning when we were making this game, we set up this 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 how we call it message game about civilians at war. Right. And the second phrase that we also repeated very, very, very early is, uh, "War always happens at somebody do somebody's doorsteps." And knowing those two phrases, we easily knew how to communicate everything around. Right. So this allowed us to tell stories in the videos, communicate the press, and communicate the players and stuff like this. The, 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 the next things that we have a great video. Yeah, I, I, great I, I, I just great wanted music. to. Yeah, we're telling this. The next thing is that we experimented with with videos and especially with music. So we we weren't afraid of use of um, Eastern Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe music. Okay. So and we put it in videos of Poland music, Hungarian music, just to show the diversity and and and, and you know. Show this, show that there's this is something different, not not something that. that so it's ordinary. not generic. Yeah, it's from part like of the ordinary. And of course, we we really chosen the one of the best Polish songs, one of the best <laughs> Hungarian songs. But we knew, and what what was all awesome is that from around the world, people were were asking. They totally didn't understand what what's, what's in the sound, <laughs> what's what are the, the, the words around it, but they, they were asking, wow, what music, wow, guys, what should it, what's it called, when can we find it, yeah. and stuff like this, so we weren't afraid. It was also, uh, you know, uh, a, a guess what will happen, but it's, it finished really well. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Alright, I think we might want to move on to Frostpunk now. Um, and uh, is that was that next basically like you know the, that was the next big thing that you guys picked up? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. To be honest, so Frostpunk as a game was being made during during the the the, the second phase of the production of this world of mine. So while we were still working on this world of mine, we already started started working on on the Frostpunk. But it was not Frostpunk. Yeah. And what's funny. Is as well with the, this war of mine, uh, and this war of mine was shattered at the beginning. Uh -huh. The base, some kind of what evolved and what was really about change, is that Frostpunk at the beginning was called industrial. Okay. And it was steampunk, uh, city building something game, Victorian steampunk game, and so it's more of a straight ahead. City builder, gamers game. approach game with different genre with with wider audience and stuff like this, and of course uh, after I think also around eight months 
again, we just said, looked about this game and wow, there is no soul in it. <laughs> <laughs> right, we okay. We need to change it, we need to go to the drawing board. So the same historia uh, as with this world of mine, we just, we had some mechanics, we had some, you know, gameplay around it, but there was no slow, no soul, no this message, no emotions in it. And again, Do you think you could, in both of these cases though, you have started with a mechanic and then looked for the soul. Like, do you think you could ever do it the other way around? We are doing it already. Right? Okay. That's the next step, with I guess. Codename That's Project yeah. A, okay. but we can tell you. <laughs> So we learned a lot. Right. Okay. We okay. Know but what's... you know, actually, old mechanic go to scrap. I mean, this whole industrial that went to the trash. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, you had city building. I mean, you had yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The approach was so to, to came again was to create a gamers game. And right now, with the project eight, we are going from the from this land message idea something to talk about. Yeah, we we, we kind of. Falsely believed that taking a symbol and adding steampunk will make make it make different. It. Some, some way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a sense, like all city builders are kind of the same game in, in a way, right? Um, uh, or all you know, the same game in a way. And uh, you know, like to me, kind of. I mean, Frostpunk deals with some pretty interesting themes, but in a lot of ways, the thing that stands out to me about Frostpunk is it's like, oh, this is like a city builder that's you consume, or the, the, like it's it's content, like you can, you know, you play it once, it's not necessarily meant to be, I mean, you guys probably have some thoughts about this, but obviously, but like, it's not necessarily there for you to like play over and over again, you know, like usually that's the emphasis for those type of games, yeah. right? Whereas here it's like, no, we're going to put you through these series of ideas, mm -hmm. you know, and like you're going to engage with it the way you'd engage with a novel or a you know a movie or something, right? Um, and you know that was to me felt pretty unique for a strategy game. You know, it's I think it's a it's a thing that shows up in our studio that narrative is becoming more and more important in each of our game. Right. But I think it's also consequences of. The fact that we want to have a message and we have to have address the subject in each of our game. Right. So that's probably kind of linked to it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay. Well, let's talk about. So you were you were working on this game that was sort of generic city builder, on whatever the steampunk city builder. And so, how did you move to what became Frostpunk then? We trashed the game. Right. We went to the drawing board. We sit for a couple of weeks and we were looking for things like I don't emotion. Mm -hmm. a sense of involvement and purpose in the game and a subject, something to talk about. Okay. I think this was the three things that we were looking kind of for. And there were like a bunch of ideas, a lot of people were kind of... Again, we asked the whole team. Yeah, to, to make ideas and what came up was actually pretty much what Frostpunk is about. So we had a hostile environment, survival, tough people. Right. But something to lose on the way to survive. Something so, to lose, maybe. Yeah, like adaptation uh -huh. and society survival. Right. Like so, you can survive, but what... What, what would be the cost? And yeah. uh, ultimately, was it worth it to survive right. at the end of the game? Right. Okay. Um, did, you, did you go for cold right off the bat? Or like yes, cold, cold was kind of... I, I mean, the, 
you know, it's it's it's, it's never like th those things are um, designed separately because we had uh, city building before. We had some idea that we should stick about the steampunk team. Mm -hmm. So cold and steam and coal, right? It's all kind of mixed together. Perfect together, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, cold, yeah. cold has disadvantage, a lot of advantages, but cold has disadvantage, but it's a natural enemy of you to be honest in this game. Right. And the second thing you ever, one of us can imagine, cold. So yeah. it's also a natural enemy. It's not something mm -hmm. sci-fi, zombies. No, we can all imagine very cold conditions. So I, and of course it was artistically very appealing for us to to have this. This frozen world with this round hole, so it all just really you know suited together. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's like a perfect thing to create because if you want to portray cold, you can just put the snow, and if you want to portray heat, it's not visible. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like you can't see heat unless you want to put fire. But if you put the element of fire there, you're gonna need to go do something about it, like put mm -hmm. it out. Well, cold is stagnant and silent and it's there and you're going to do nothing about it. You're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good observation, especially that in a lot of movies when you picture death, there is always cold. Right, <laughs> right, right around it, yeah. yeah. Um, Alright, cool. So, you uh, you knew you wanted a, like a tough survival, you know, tough survival city builder. Um, so, how did you start, like, what was the next steps to, like, get it to work? Well, the, the first step was like, okay, so we have this idea for the game and we laid out some kind of uh, what will be the system. Yeah. So we will have the society, they will have needs and yeah. there will be some kind of economy and resources, but we will have problems, so we will have decisions like that. And we laid out this kind of schematics and we kind of made some simple paper prototype, mm -hmm. but with very, very rough mechanics. And we started to build the first part of the game, which was actually creating some kind of engine for the city building game. Right. And at the same time, we wanted to make sure that it has this survivability, it has the emotion, and there is this mood of snow and cold. Right. So that was kind of our first prototype. I will I will elaborate a little bit about what we have said. Is this this paper prototype? To be honest, was a board game. Yeah. Paper board game that we played. The hall was drawn there. There were buildings, and we just turn-based played this game and check and checked out if everything is working and if this basic loop is working. And and the second thing I wanted to say is that you have this kind of experience. Maybe it's not a culture, but this kind of approach at 11-bit that uh, the more we are doing games, the more we are trying to understand the game at the beginning of the development process. We know that when okay, the games that we are playing are uh, that we are doing are fresh and something new, and uh, these games have new mechanics, new experiences, new languages, whatever you call it. So, the, the more we are doing the games, the more we are approaching the development at, to this 
so this uh, um, in this process that we just try to imagine as much as we can before we start to invest in in the production in the coding and stuff like this so we are trying to play the paper prototypes we are trying to define all the loops we are trying to have this minute to minute gameplay in our heads and we are just you know bouncing between us and and talking okay if you imagine this minute to minute gameplay if it's okay for you if not how it progresses so that's what also we did with Frostpunk. We didn't address everything because we we didn't we, we haven't imagined. For example, we didn't at this stage of the, at the beginning we still didn't have this social uh, this the society stuff solved out. But mm -hmm. a lot of stuff a lot of parts around loop were designed in heads or on paper on in this proto paper prototype. So that's. That was our approach also for, for the design. We didn't start to code right away and just check, hey, let's see how it will progress. Because for us it was wasting the time of the people in the, in the team. Okay. The, the, those games are, our games are, I, I, I like to call it like an, you know, this unexplored ocean and, you know, there are no preconceptions for, for, for those kinds of, for this, this world of mine there was no preconception. For Frostpunk and Society Survivor was no preconception, so it's hard to borrow parts from other games and start to code and start to produce the game. First, you must imagine the game and then try to to, to, to create it, because we 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 tried it in Adelaide Studios, but we couldn't make a game in this approach. That okay, we have this basic idea, and now, now let's have a year and experiment with it. Mm -hmm. We just can't work in this kind of pro this kind of process doesn't suit to us. We must understand the game and then we can freely you know go to the development. Of course it's how do you learn to understand the game if you don't have if you're not working off of a prototype and you're also not cobbling together systems from other games, you know, that you're it's a system. fucking hard process. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. It's just hard, hard work. All right. Small were there, no, think, were there some were there some techniques that were like more effective or like, some pizza, pizza, <laughs> coke, uh, coffee, and stuff like this? So it's you know, it's it's just. But you don't drink coffee. <laughs> yeah, I drink Coca-Cola, so... <laughs> would you do, like, you know, mock-ups? Is that what you would do it based off of? Or, like, you know, you just would, like, you know, write scenarios of, like, these are some of the situations you might face, or... I mean, what was, no, your, actually, what was your output? I, actually, it's getting more and more complicated with each uh, game that we are making. Okay. I think with this of mine, a lot of work done through talking. Right. And some simple test of some Excel sheet, if I don't know the kind of scavenge is going to work and crafting, etc. Uh, with Frostpunk, it was cool to imagine a bit of mechanic, but I think the biggest problem was actually getting into society to work. Okay. This was a hard sign, actually. Right. And there was a lot of kind of uh, developing uh, and changing. Okay. Well, time. that definitely seems like kind of like the core part of the game that's interesting. So, like, let's talk, let's talk about the society aspect. Okay. So, 
you know, you, you know, you had, what was, what was your initial idea of what you wanted mm-hmm. from this part of the game? It came back to, to the question. So what we will sacrifice to survive right. and what is, I mean, the, uh, is it worth to survive at all? Right. And we knew that uh, the cost will be somehow in the society. Right. So then the question is how do you translate that into the mechanics? So, um, you know, coupled, coupled with, you know, good, you know, good writing and mm-hmm. all the other stuff mm-hmm. you put in it. Um, I mean, yeah. And, okay, so like what, I mean, did you, you know, eventually you kind of like came upon, you know, the law system, right? Yes. And we, so we, forth, but like, what were their, stop, you know, what, was that, what were the, what was the transit, what was the path to get there? Okay, uh, I think the, what we really wanted to have we wanted to have clear decision yep. that the player will make. Okay. And uh, pretty soon we also wanted to have those decisions somehow written down for the player. Okay. okay. And laws come out of this kind of idea of thinking. Right. And of course we wanted the society to have some basic parameters that will aggregate somehow mm-hmm. its state. And we want to have some kind of reaction coming out of the society, like, I don't know, events or riots. Right. So that was kind of the basic. Right. And this transferred, first it transferred to the adaptation tree. Right. Which was kind of maybe a bit easier to create because it was more like about current needs, how we process resources, how we manage food, etc., some leisure. And the biggest problem is actually the second tree, the tree of order. And the fate, order and faith, yeah, yeah. which was called the purpose. Right, so what, what made that more tricky, trickier? <clears throat> actually, <clears throat> the, 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 I think that the whole process of shaping the society is kind of into that tree. Because it's like, first the tree is built around uh, like three stages. Yeah. There is the basic stage, which allows you to introduce pretty good laws on both sides, faith and religion. There is the middle stage, when the laws are, well, subject to interpretation. It's good to have a prison. Right. We have prison all over the world. Yeah. But the way you use your prison, that's the problem. Sure. You can put all your political enemy inside instead of the bad guys. And the, the third part is the part when we're actually trying, entering a very bad system. Right. And this is kind of a dark side path. Right. Like, uh, easy, but dark. It gives you a lot of tools, but, uh, but the, 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 the consequences are bad. So that was this system. <clears throat> and, but this is not shaping the society. That's just bringing in laws. Right. And to shape the society, we had to make the society how somehow change. Okay. And we were thinking about it like that. If you bring up the laws and you convince those people to use them mm-hmm. and you progress on the path, they eventually start to adapt your thinking and become bad mm-hmm. or spoiled by this law. And right. they start to abuse this law for their personal reason or mostly for the personal reason, or just for fanatical reason. Sure, yeah. Yeah, in my, so in my current 
playthrough, I'm going down the religion tree, mm -hmm. you know, and I see the faith keepers, and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm like, eh, eh, mm, don't yeah. really, don't really want that. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna have to like make a but, decision. Yeah, yeah but you know, why not? Faith keepers can be a good thing. Yeah, that that sounds a bit strange. <laughs> maybe it's not. It's maybe sure. it's not so bad. Let's I try mean, it. On the surface, it seems fine. It sounds like, like Game of Thrones. You know, I've, like, yeah, basically, I've watched Game of Thrones. I know where the story is going. <laughs> so um, I, I am curious. Like, is there are there aspects in the game that are going to keep? You're going to push me to like get over my apprehension. You see, because there's a tricky part. Not making a decision. It's mm -hmm. a valid decision in Frostpunk. Sure. Not bringing up a law. It's a good decision. Right. So that's that's your choice. Right. It's pushing the envelope. Like you guys definitely push the envelope. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 on the other hand, it's a bit tricky because you're used to all kind of skill trees, and you know that at the end, like up, the biggest reward. Yeah, yeah. Up is better. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and that's interesting because a lot of skill. There's a couple. I mean, I've done some like civic and skill type trees working on like the civ games and mm -hmm. seeing how they have progressed and like so there's some interesting choices you make you know usually you expose everything even at the very beginning of the game mm -hmm. you show the whole tech tree mm -hmm. we show we show all your civic options mm -hmm. you know, like a civ 5 which you know, i didn't design but like i know the guys who did and you know it has you know basically the lot that's very similar to law tree and it's all exposed so at the very beginning of the game you can kind of you plan out exactly what you want right mm -hmm. whereas you guys very purposely don't show that you know like you, you have to kind of wonder what's going to come next and you know sometimes you even see that like oh there's a path up here but it's not going to tell me what it's going to but, be you know probably you can use a lot of your uh, personal experience and right. know, to, to kind of imagine it, it's also kind of a discussion if is it really a blind choice if it can use your intuition right. and experience to anticipate what's going on? Right. And maybe it's part of a nice thing to play with? Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, well, I mean, that's, that's where games should be. I mean, generally speaking, like you should be applying what you've, you know, experiences in your own life to what you're seeing in the game, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's why, it, I mean, that's why stuff that's in, you know, stuff that's not you know, out there fantasy or out there sci-fi is usually people relate to better because they are thinking in terms of like, okay, the faith keepers, what does that feel like in our own history? And like, mm -hmm. where have I seen something like this before? Do I want to go down this path or not? Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very effective. And, um, uh, and the other thing of course, is that, um, in some of the Civ games, this has been true and some of it, it hasn't. When you switch to a government or a civic, you're able to switch back. Yes. Right. And Civ Five is permanent. Um, and the other ones you can kind of go around. And you guys went for permanent. Yes. You know, which I could tell was like, okay, that's a very meaning. There's a very strong reason why you're making that choice. Um, you know, it wouldn't be. Anyway, go ahead. No, I mean, if all those decisions were permanent, you could actually, uh, you know, crawl back from all the bad that you did. Right. Uh, we didn't want that. Right. We didn't want it to be. It. You wouldn't be writing a story if the choices weren't permanent. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. otherwise, yeah. what's, what's exactly. the point? Yeah. On the other point, on the other side, I mean, this is again a very symbolic situation. We play for days, mm -hmm. and we are talking about change that affects the society. So I think that this kind of making those decision permanent. It's kind of 
like uh, like an allegory. Mm -hmm. Well, there was from one side there was sort of kind of design mechanical reason, but on the other hand, if we have um, a society who is developing itself under such rule, mm -hmm. maybe it's not so easy to take them out. Right. I even add something more that the permanent decisions strengthen the decision. Right. The decision is not permanent. You won't treat it that that you know that, as that serious decision. The permanent is very serious. Yep. So you think of it five times because before you decide on it. So I think it's also in this experience way it's also very good for the games. Sure. Yeah, I have a long regret that I made a certain decision with child labor that like cut me off from like I think the apprentices or something, like they can like specialize in something and like the rest I'm like I'm like, well, I'm just I'm just stuck with this. <laughs> like I guess this is the society I built. Um, so like I'm trying to think what where we did. So um, when you talk about like whether it's worth it, you know, mm -hmm. like to, to for the society to survive, like can you talk about some of like the the like like how you see that playing out near the end, like the end of the game, or like where it's going to, like like a, an example, or how you want the dynamic to work. Um, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Maybe I'm just sure. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so you talk about like uh, you know one of the big questions is like is is the, was this all worth it? Mm -hmm. You know, like the changes. So can you give it like an example of like how that plays out? Yes. Well, well basically, it's uh, if you if you go. Too far on the tree yeah. of order or with religion. religion. Yeah. You may create a situation when you actually lose too much of humanity or freedom to make it worth to survive, to create a society that is maybe not not something you would like to be the last society that will live on Earth. Right. Where did this thought come from? Machiavelli. <laughs> <laughs> what what uh, what I haven't actually gotten to the end yet. So like, what happens functionally speaking? Like, I mean, can you still complete the game? But yes, of just, course, you can complete the but game. But you're just not I happy mean, with. I mean, you can complete the game, and Frostpunk is one of the game when we actuality actually kind of judge the player at the end. Okay. And right. we say him. Is it worth it? Maybe you have crossed the line? Right. Or you definitely crossed the line? So this is a kind of game where we actually say what, what, what we think about all this situation, how it go up to the end. And how do you, how do you like literally, how do you communicate that to them? Oh, it's, there is uh, some kind of end scene, an ending sequence, uh, when we a bit sum it up and a bit kind of show the future. Okay. In a few sentences. It's a kind of retrospection with a bit of future and this retrospection it's a bit similar to this world mine when we show you what happened in the right. some phases of your development. Uh, and then as as Michael said, we we just judge you. Yeah. And we really do this we understand that we judge you. And there is also and to be honest, for example, for, for, for Western community, it wasn't a problem. 
mm-hmm. not Ijaju. Yeah. And and but from from China, we received a lot of comments that this is the worst part of the frost part. Right. That we judge you. They mm-hmm. aren't prepared to be judged in their society. And we were trying to tell them why this is happening because we were talking with uh, Chinese game players and but uh, and on the other hand we also weren't prepared for this that sure. we will, there is a society that doesn't like to be judged and it's not uh, they really felt really uncomfortable at huh. the end of the game they really like the game but they feel very uncomfortable when they cross the line. And there is this judgment at the end. And you think that's like a Chinese cultural trait or something? Or like they're kind of have like they're not used to that in their games? I mean, maybe it's hard for you to judge, but like I'm not sure. To yeah, be honest, yeah. if it's uh, because we felt like all the designers, the, the game that we want to say. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's not okay to do this. Yeah, design. sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting. I mean, it, it seems like. Especially games that are single player, and you kind of like, you know, someone's in the room and they're playing this game and they're all by themselves. And like when they get to the end of the game, if the game suddenly reflects back what they've done, there's almost maybe like a sense of like, I didn't realize you were actually watching <laughs> like me, you know, like I didn't know I was. I didn't know I was you, must, you must finish the game because we are really watching. You always right. see it. We are really watching. Yeah. Good, good, good way you said it. We are really watching. Yeah. We will show you that we were watching. Right. <laughs> And we, we will point it out. Yeah, but there. So you, but you did say before that, like with this war of mine, yeah. like you didn't want to judge the player. Yeah. So what changed? Like, why do you feel different with this game? Yes, it's a good question. I think it. it what we had in this war of mine, we had really the world being judging the player. Mm-hmm. There were the other people in, world. In, yeah. in this war of mine, and and the, I mean, the world didn't change. It was the same what we are living in. Yeah. Uh, so he had the feedback. Yeah. In Frostbank, there is no feedback. Basically, there is some feedback from from the society, but this society is generally obedient. Right. Uh, of course, it, it can go into riots or something like that, or it had its consequences. But it has no voice. Yeah. So we were that voice this time. Right. I guess it's because if you if you cross the finish line and then there's no judgment. Then yeah. you're like, well, this is as valid. Okay. Yeah. This is as valid as yeah. any other path. Do you have like an image in your head of like what's the right way to be frostpunk? Oh, you can be it if you're good at it. <laughs> well, but what does that even mean? You're beat be it. Judged. You're be judged. Beat it in sense of like, are there like certain laws? No, like, I mean, uh, I, I think it's what we talked about. Like, uh, even I think today we talked about it that there are certain level of comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I mean, going up in the tree, in the social tree, right. at certain level you are discomforted yeah. and at certain you are comforted. And I think that keeping your comfort right. and making your city survive yeah. is the true winning of the game. Right. Okay. Alright. Uh, how did you come upon like the idea of hope and discontent? Yes. Being like, how, you, how did you come upon that as those are like two separate concepts? Um, because those are, uh, anyway, they're, they're interesting. They, they do have different yes. meanings, right? We had a very huge problem with this kind of metric. And of course, happiness kind of beating us for every side. Uh, because it's the first thing you, you think of when you have a city builder. So it's just happiness. happiness yeah. some kind of, yeah. So it's always back on the head, happiness, happiness. 
Uh, we first tried to get this approach from this overall of mind. So trying to be descriptive rather than have some bars. To be honest, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Even we knewing the names were not kind of what the fuck is going to tell me. So we had this. Uh, we didn't have a, one on top of one bar. It's, it's just not enough. Uh, we want to have two, and the first bar, the discontent bar, is kind of a very dynamic, more dynamic bar. Mm -hmm. That it's it's basically like things which makes right. Right. Sure. But yeah, it's pretty similar. Pretty I mean, it's, similar. it's pretty close to having yeah. this bar. Right? With hope, we wanted to have some kind of long-term mm -hmm. belief yeah. that we will survive. Yeah. It's a very philosophical concept, right? Like, you know, can, like, you, you know, can, you, can you survive without hope, right? Like, it's like, I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> it depends, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, so. so we were looking for names, of course, but we, we finally yeah. we ended There up were stages in the, during the production where we had three Fear. bars, we were about five bars. Oh, gosh, really? And my arti artistical approach was always, guys, don't overbar this game. <laughs> <laughs> guys, don't use yellow. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah was... The biggest problem with Trevor is that we have unlimited amount of colors that we can <laughs> use. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As a speaking of Shamik, so the coloring mm -hmm. also created the mood. So no 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 color, yes. no yellow. You give me an idea, I will buy him a coloring book. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of pencils. This his computer is broken or something, I think maybe yeah. just, the, the colors have disappeared. You know the colors are it's common knowledge in, in game design and art design that you know there is we color is one of the channels of communication and to be honest it's easier this way than to have this artistical style and communication at once so for example we we, we very we knew that, that we need to have colors for communication so for example this order at the end is red yeah. this, uh, the other side is Violet. Okay, mm -hmm. so the, the important stuff will be in, in some kind of black and white and red or yellow because there is yellow in the game. So there was a, behind of having it artistically nice and cool and mood and have this mood of this game and white and stuff like this. We also look at the communication stuff and the UX of the game for game player to understand and to see the changes because the city you are playing changes. You mm -hmm. don't see it at once, and there are small steps. If the further you go on the on this on this on this on this laws, mm -hmm. the city changes. You will see it, and then at the end you have something like a looks a bit of a totalitarian heavy city. Yeah. And we have it colorized this way, so we communicate with the, the with the colors, with meshes, with flags, and stuff like this. And it was conscious decision to, to use colors also for the game, so the ma to merge with the gameplay again, for the, this design and art is again merged together. Okay. But about the music, it's phenomenal. So, we have a phenomenal uh, composer, <laughs> <laughs> really. Did you know that we even have a um, vinyl for the... Yeah. and it's printed on the white vinyl uh, how it is called? It's uh, record. Records, yeah. On white vinyl record. Oh, nice. 
So, and even to have this vinyl, at the, at the end of the production, I think we decide, okay, we will do this orchestration, so we, the, all the instruments are live. Uh, before the, I think, month because before the lunch, the music was, or two months before the lunch, the music was finished, but there were a lot of, uh, a lot of sounds were digital, so it was from the banks and stuff like this, and then we decided the music is that good, and Piotrek, who is the, the, the composer, asked us, hey guys, we need to do an orchestration, we said, yes, the music really is so good, we will do live, Live recordings, and we recorded. I think it was the trio or the or the larger group, and then I think it's in it's Budapest or, or somewhere there was this huge violin recordings and yeah. stuff like this. And at the end, we have this vinyl record. With, 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 yeah, it's very nice. Published. Was the uh, so I do have one more gameplay question, mm -hmm. which is the the idea of the hub. You know, like the you know the heat mm -hmm. in the middle, which radiates outward, and you have to keep pumping that up. Like, when? How did you guys come upon that concept? I think it was, you know, I when I, I think it was different. It was different approaches, but there there are two things that I, I really I think stood around it. The first thing is from the artistic side, article artistic side of view. I really like to. We really like and I really like to create a game that is easily recognizable. When you look at the screen, you know that this is Frostpunk. Yeah. And we, from the beginning, we imagine that there will be a hole, a rounded hole, that will be this key art for the game. And when you will look at it, oh, it's Frostpunk. Oh, I understand it is Frostpunk. There are a lot of different areas in the Frostpunk that we would like, wanted also to translate this key, key visualization, but this rounded hole in the, in the frozen, fro frozen uh, on, on the frozen earth was, a, was very important for us because the, the, just the players will know that this is this game and it's important for us. And the second thing is that from the beginning we, we thought about this heat because we had this, we knew that we will need to, from the gameplay mechanics, we will have yeah. We yeah. will need to have this ring of heat growing and heating and it will allow us, you know, to, to have this loop and this gameplay of growing, expanding and expanding. And it was also really cool, to be honest, to yeah. have this central yeah. central uh, generator. It also then evolved into having this radial system for yeah. the streets which was such a pain in the yeah. ass to create. I bet, I mean, I've dealt with <laughs> systems like this, and I'm like, like, this is cool, but I know that, like, the, the, the and I could see the, the, the sort of the seams when, like, the things get a little wider, because I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. they had to kind of fudge over this yeah, part. Yeah, there was like, a lot of it's work like, done to it. <laughs> it seems like it'd be easy, but I appreciate, like, how hard that must have been. But, but, but would you prefer a standard one? Would I prefer? Yeah, well, I prefer that you did it the way you guys did it because I've never done it like that. Yeah, that was exactly the reason why we did yeah. it. <laughs> like, and thematically, it makes perfect sense, yeah. right? You've got the heater in the middle, and so of course it melted a circle, right? But so. funny thing is that the early, the first gameplay prototype we've made, it, we didn't have it. We didn't have this radar system. It was normal yeah. analysis. It's hard to, yeah, I don't know how you but be it, really it hard was also hard to put things around. Yeah, yeah. The system. yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, I think I have one last question. So I've covered things pretty well. So, like, um, 
you know, now looking back, you know, for, you know, all the, you know, all the games you've made and the things that you guys have done, you know, why have you dedicated your careers to making video games? To do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, at the beginning, because, no, I think the question is, this concept is evolving with time. Okay. Because my first initial things, it was, first, it was because of exploration. Yeah. And second, because of creativity. Okay. It was, for me, it was a, a world that I could shape and give it a shape. Yeah. <laughs> which I never met before. And yeah. I was always fascinated by science fiction, fantasy, etc. So it was the, the, the place to go. But with time, it's kind of evolving into what do I want to say to people? Yeah. What do I want to communicate to other people? What can I share with them? Other than just mechanical gameplay solution, right? But more of a subject. Yeah. yeah. Okay. For me, it's you know, I think it wasn't a conscious decision. You you you, you said that you dedicated to the game, right. to making games. You're no, like, I wasn't, did. <laughs> it wasn't like this. I think, for most part. It was just such an awesome fun to create games. I really love to do this. Mm -hmm. it's, for me it's this creativity, this 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 thing that I can share all of these things we do and talk about things we, we, we would like to talk. But right now it's evolving a bit. Mm. In some kind of ideolo ideological way. It's not that I say that we will do this in 11-bit studios as a main purpose, but for me it's starting to be very important. And what I'm saying is that, you know I'm a father mm -hmm. of three boys, mm -hmm. and I'm asking myself what games I would like to do so I would be happy that they play them, yeah. so where there will be a value for them, yeah. what can I learn my kids? from the games, mm -hmm. because they will learn from the games. I even, you know, I, I even had this concept that the game, games might be some kind of school readings yeah. in the future, mm -hmm. and they will learn some concepts. And I really like this idea. Mm -hmm. That's, this is so influential, and this is, wow, you have a control of minds, all awesome. I'm not talking about this in this bad way. I'm talking about something that is there is such a great responsibility mm -hmm. behind this, and this really drives me right now as a, as a concept of the future, what to do with games. Yeah. Positive impact. Yeah. Yeah, on children. Do you already know what you're going to be doing in the future? We know, but we won't tell. <laughs> by the way, by the way I, I, I told that the last question, question would be what happened to all the ice and the water that came from melting that ice in Prosper. Oh gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't know! I guess I thought they were thirsty. <laughs> you get asked that question? <laughs> no, but we were asking. So you always wonder, like, when are they going to figure it out? <laughs> it's just a big hole. Thank you. Thank you.